The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. I am Professor Snipe, and this is the Potterhood Podcast with Nico Wright and Will Poznan. You're here to enjoy the subtle science and exact art of podcasting. As there's a little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, enjoy the show. You don't think the the pinky the microphone on the pinky people need to know? Hey, family, I'm an innovator. Yeah, I agree. An originator. <laughs> all that other nice shit you would say if you were Ric Flair hosting this, a Potterhood podcast. All the shit we would say about Pharrell, innovator, originator, all of those things. We're rolling. Oh, <laughs> well. <clears throat> check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the flyest mic holding podcast host of the greatest Harry Potter podcast that you are listening to right now. And oh, are you going to say your name? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm Nico White. And I'm Will Posnan and it's crazy that producer Max hates Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, we are the Potterhood podcast. Will, how are you? I'm good. I'm I'm doing great. What about you? Man, I can't complain too much. So since the last time I saw y'all, I went on the road, right? And I got to open for one of my heroes. So since the last time we were here, I was saying that there was something I wanted to tell these guys about. So I got to work with comedic legend Eddie Griffin over the um, weekend from the last time that we all got to sit together, right? And dude was everything that I ever wanted him to be. Like what you see is really what you get. Very nice guy, very genuine. Walked in, he was... um really bright and he has this way of like i don't know dog it's like i've been a fan for so long and he reminds me of so many of my favorite older cousins it's crazy so my cousin elkie whose real name was eddie is just like him and elkie was the one old dude that i said if i'm lucky to get old i want to grow up to be just like Mm -hmm. and eddie's just like him like everything that motherfucker, he probably he probably thought I was putting on being the opening actor song because I was laughing so hard. But it's because no, there's a certain spot, like yeah. a familial spot that like you're you're hitting. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it really felt like working with family. I really appreciate appreciate the fact that I got to work with that dude. That's one of the few gigs I ever asked for. You yeah, know what I'm saying like I saw he was gonna be at a club that I headlined a few months ago, and I'm like. I really would just go out and see this show. Mm-hmm. You know Have what I mean? Have you seen him before? Back in 2009, we, um, well, not we, back in 09, thank you. Back in 09, I was walking past Caroline's and saw he was headlining. And I had just seen, my brother did this thing where in 2008, when he found out I was doing stand up for real, 
he went out and he bought a bunch of comedy DVDs, right? That's dope. And Eddie Griffin's Freedom of Speech, you can tell him I not for now, you can tell him I said Freedom of Speech, Dysfunctional Family, and oh my God, what was the and Voodoo Child, right? I watched those because Eddie, in my opinion, had the best comedy set on Def Comedy Jam ever, right? Yeah, you can definitely make the case. Yeah, it's either him or Bernie Mac or Chris Tucker, but it would be one of those three. Yeah, I think it is him or Bernie. I think Chris is a level below this, but I think it's Bernie. But yeah, I, I think it would be three. between those two, right? Yeah. So and shout out Arnaz J, honorary mention. A hundred percent. If you want to see a YouTube clip for the ages, Arnaz J on Def Jam. I don't. I mean, some of the best physical comedy of all time. A hundred percent. That dude doesn't get the credit he deserves no. for just being really zany on stage. I mean, stage. the only person better than him is the invisible guy pulling him off stage. Hilarious. <laughs> so now, having said all of that, getting to watch this dude work, I went to Caroline's, walking past seeing him. I watched all the specials so much on my PlayStation 2 that I, you know, the disc got like lines in it, right? I scratched it. So I went downstairs. He just so happened to be there. I knew what the green room was. I froze, right? So finally, I get the courage. I'm like, hey, man, can I get an autograph? Back when those existed. I let him sign my joke book, right? This is 09. Did he say something about it being a joke book? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. good, you know, like the good luck and all that. All, yeah. all, all, all the things you would say to give, like, a young, another young black comic some, you know, some type of encouragement. Yeah. So now, when I saw that he was going to be there, I had to ask. So I reached out to the owner. I was like, hey, fam, who's working this show? You know what I mean? Because I was like, look, I'll even come down to host, right? Now, for you guys that don't know, the host is usually considered like a quote-unquote lower position on a show like that. But I was willing to do that if that meant I got to see this motherfucker work live. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, I get there. And I get there. We get there late. Like, And by late, I don't mean like we missed the show. I mean, I got there late like five minutes before the show was supposed to start. Gotcha. I changed in the fucking bathroom at the downstairs of the hotel. <clears throat> so now, having said that, I get inside, do our thing. He's so fucking himself. You know what I mean? So, really good time. I'm glad it happened. And it was kind of, it kind of felt full circle that it happened that way because I was supposed to host whoever was supposed to feature didn't show up. Yeah. Sure enough, I got the feature. You know what I'm saying? So I got to work out four different sets in front of one of my heroes. So I'm with that. And you you watched all of his sets. Did he watch all of your sets too? Well, you know, he's in the he's in the green room for all of yeah. that. And the green room is right by the stage. So So he felt it. He got to hear all of it. Yeah. You know what That's I mean? That's awesome. And on the I remember on the first night, I did a different set each show, right? So there were two each. And because I came in like just within five minutes, I wasn't really dressed or anything like that i went upstairs i changed i came back down i did a different set when i came how long off. Are these sets 20 minutes 15 to 20 yeah. it's pretty impressive that's actually a flex people should be aware of that yeah no but that's a flex i mean the fact that you're in front of eddie griffin and you have 45 minutes that you're like oh this will do great in front of eddie griffin to his audience hey fam it was a great weekend yeah now that said right for the first night after the second show, he goes, I like how you switched your style up. You switched your shit. You know what I'm saying? He said, you did you did your political shit. And then he was like, your career's over. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm saying? Now, for those of you who don't understand, like, fun ribbing, 
You know what I'm saying? He said that with a very wide smile on his face. You know what I mean? Awesome, like, good job, but I ain't going to say good job. <laughs> Gotta remember this dude came up opening for Andrew Dice Clay. And you have a cousin like that, so that energy was Bro, like perfect it's, for it, you. It's right there. Yeah. It's I'm telling you, it's right there. That's all yeah. me. That's all me. That's all family. I fuck with that shit hard. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He in the back when you talk to him, he just talking his shit. Yeah. There's no fight there. Like if you ever feel like you hear aggression in that voice, you're being aggressive. Yes. Yeah. You know so okay. he's just being himself. That's all that is. I know what you mean. Yeah, so yeah, I recognize that right out the gate. So great time. Me, me and Chief, the um dude who's doing security. Yeah, we had a great time. Since this is a Harry Potter podcast, where would you sort Eddie Griffin? You know what? I would sort Eddie Griffin into. He would be what I think Flitwick is, right? Okay. Like I, I think Flitwick is a little like. And when I say this, I mean this in the best way. Flitwick feel. I feel like he's a little crazy. Crazy is in he's so himself and his people appreciate him because he's himself. I mean, there's a whole side story of Flitwick as like a recreational dueler, basically like Bruce Lee fighting strangers in public that we don't have access to because we don't have the the characters' point of views to see it. Yeah, but you could do a whole Flitwick TV show where he's like some teacher by day, you know, getting himself arrested by night and shit like that. And then getting himself out to teach again in the morning. Exactly. That's another one we need to write. (laughs) (laughs) Add that to the Rolodex idea, Max. If you can remember such. (laughs) So, yeah, that was my weekend, fam. I'm really stoked that it happened. Um, So now, before we jump in, you going to say something, Brett? I was going to say what was more meaningful, uh, opening for uh, Eddie or Mm -hmm. uh, Bob Saget? Eddie. Eddie. Oh, man. Easy and by far. Only because it's like, I want to be as... When you see a motherfucker like that, he's really... You mentioned Bruce Lee. He's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a very, very disciplined I'm me, and you are going to understand that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you think. It don't matter. I, I considered all of that already. Here's your point. Here's my point, And I really like to talk. Yeah. You can tell he's a dude that really likes to talk. His favorite subjects are definitely things like politics, more perspective type things when you're in the back with him because that keeps good conversation going. That dude told a story about Michael Jackson that was so fucking inspiring. Matter of fact, put pause this. So yeah, that was the um story. Now, having <laughs> said all that, Will has an amazing topic that he came up with all on his own, fam. And I hope that doesn't sound condescending. Yeah, no, I, it sounded real. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because now you know how tone is. Motherfuckers can see my face over this uh, No, podcast. I feel like people got that that was... I don't know. I didn't detect any condescension. I'm always looking out for it. So. There you go. So F y'all if y'all felt in it. So now... Now Will, I got to live up to that. But Will thought it's all on his own, family. So, Will, go on and hit him with it. What are we talking about? This so, we're talking about post-Battle of Hogwarts, post-Death of Voldemort, who are the biggest threats? Mm. Just who are the biggest threats in the wizarding world mm. once you clear that landscape? I think there's one obvious one. We can either start there or we can start with someone else. Family, I'm going to let you start this because as soon as you said it, I had to give it some thought. I'm still, I'm still in the thought phase. I'm going to let you kick us off. And I'm, for the first time in a long time, I'm just be quiet. So um, so the one I think most people are going to go to first is Lucius Malfoy as the biggest. Because, you know, you think about him slinking away from the Battle of Hogwarts. 
he's definitely the biggest. If you're gonna look at it like a like the Nazi regime, he's the biggest person to escape to Argentina. You know, <laughs> is that? I don't want to. I don't want to condescend people that had to deal with Nazis, but that was the parallel that came to mind. Okay, yeah, you good? Cool. Um, so yeah, that's what that's how I looked at it. I was like, okay, so he's the starting point, but then there's other ones that you know you might not think about um, in the second. So we can, I mean, we can talk about Lucius. Mm-hmm. Second person I thought of was Rita Skeeter. Okay, that's interesting. That was the wow. second name I thought. So yeah, let's talk about talk about Lucius, and then we can uh, we can talk about her. Boom. Okay. So as soon as you said Lucius, right? My initial reaction, because I'm argumentative, was go, nah, right? And my only reason for going nah is because Lucius is such a broken non-threat. Like he's a pawn, bro. Like he's a snitch. At that point, they knew, you know you got Lucy's. Lucy's, Lucy's was, the, was the biggest. Ah, this is my podcast. Lucy's was the biggest bitch that was left, bro. Narcissa yeah. was the was the man, woman, and everything. He wasn't even human at that point. Yeah, okay. He was a soulless creature. Dude. He was just like Voldemort, bro, in human form. Yeah, just a shell of himself. So nah, I don't think he was a threat at all. Um, darn, I would say. Okay, what about this idea? Shoot. Lucius Malfoy is just Quirrell with money. Explain. So Quirrell is just, basically Quirrell is just looking to be the sidekick of somebody. He's like, oh, please, I just need somebody to put on top of my head and be me and choose who to be. And Lucius Malfoy was just that, but he was like, my only rule, if you're going to be me, is I have to live in a mansion and have a hot wife. Nah, I don't think so, kid. bro. Because the, the Malfoys always had money. Lucius was always going to be rich. You know what I'm saying? Being a Death Eater, that appealed to his political ideals. But I'm saying his boundary, like where Quirrell would straight up put, Mal- put Voldemort in his head. Mm-hmm. Malfoy's one boundary is like, I got to be in my mansion. Nah, Malfoy was going to have that mansion. Malfoy didn't like that he was in the mansion. Malfoy's yeah. like, I can't walk around butt naked in my <laughs> house with this weird snake shit. Killing people at my table. <laughs> yeah, that yo, that, that was really cock block your night. Well, he's also like, do you know how much this table costs? You're right. <laughs> but he don't even care about the other shit. Lucy is standing there like, this is mahogany wood. <laughs> on, the, on the budget, you're never gonna get theater. that lady's blood out ever. <laughs> on the That's Death Eaters like budget, it's like one sliver is like table ah! repairs <laughs> like you're allocating war funds that, to table repairs yo Malfoy said that his desk in his study hair falling out <laughs> he he look he all he could think about is that he keeps killing them on my most expensive silverware why <laughs> It's like, I put out the good china for Voldemort, <laughs> and he has to get some bitch's blood on it every Every time. fucking day. I don't care if you want to kill people. Do it in the dungeon. That's what we got the dungeon for. <laughs> we have zero kills in the dungeon, 14 kills at the dungeon. At the table. table. At the table. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> he just tapping his cane up and down, nigga. I can't believe this. I, 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 I've been loyal this whole time, and all he wants to do is keep killing people on my Persian rugs. Ah, oh, you moralist bastard, bro. Yeah, Malfoy was always gonna be a piece of trash, dog. And he was gonna always have that mansion. I think his his boundary <coughs> was truly his family. 
I think that's what his boundary was. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like um, that's a more redeeming boundary in a way. Not that he's redeemed, but uh, okay. So let, we can go to Rita Skeeter. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Now you gotta convince me on that one. What the hell did Rita Skeeter have? Against the world, because although she was chaotic, she's Wendy yeah. Williams, bro. Although she is, although she's annoying, I don't think she's evil. And in her own way, I think she means for the greater good. I just think she sucks at being a part of the greater good. So I think that she, there's a part of her that is Wendy Williams ish. Yeah. I also think there's a part of her that's like Tommy Lauren ish, and okay. that part of it is where maybe that's like exaggerating the kind of threat that those people pose yeah. like the people that like monetize anger well if we, yeah i hate to cut you off but you know that's the that's the spectrum um <laughs> i think if you ask me if you wanted somebody like to really equivocate her to um harvey levin tmz mm. that that type of garbage yeah where it's like no somebody probably should swat these but i mean that's that. Okay, where were we? Now, Somewhere with Rita Skeeter? We were talking about Rita Skeeter. I'm trying to get you to convince me how Rita Skeeter is truly a threat. Um, I, I think that Rita Skeeter's a threat because she's, she just kind of makes people dislike the idea of people. That's what these people do, that their, their job is to get people angry for money. Mm-hmm. They just make you kind of hate a stranger who you don't who you've never met in your imagination you know and so rita skeeter she writes this thing about dumbledore after dumbledore dies that's just trying to get you to hate him more you know what it reminded me of when david bowie died there were some articles that were like this thing was actually problematic and this thing that was problematic and you're i was you know the headline will pop up and i was just like who is in the mood to feel this about David Bowie right now? <laughs> like, that's what you want right now. Like, yeah. but they, the article doesn't even care whether that's what you want or not. It just is trying to make money off of you. And Rita Skeeter, it just, it magnifies that shitty part of the human component and people like her and uh, people like, you know, Wendy Williams does a variation on that in terms of being a gossip, but it's a little bit different being a gossip Versus being somebody who stokes fires. True. Okay. So, just for perspective's sake, right? Let's say if I'm Rita Skeeter, right? And this is not a defense because I truly don't enjoy these types of people, per se. This stoke these types of narratives about folks, especially once, you know, they're gone. But... If you're Rita Skeeter and if you're a journalist in general and all of the perspective on this one figure or in Dumbledore's case he's more like a deity in that world if most of it is positive like 98% of it is positive overwhelmingly and then towards the end it was kind of you know bitter between Dumbledore and the ministry and a kid did die on Hogwarts grounds what of an honest review on Dumbledore and who he was that's you know just the opposite opinion of what was um, allowed politically so here's here's the issue shoot uh rita skeeter her goal isn't honesty her goal is the conflict Mm -hmm. and if she went into her dumbledore Mm tell-all and her goal was just like i just want people to know who dumbledore is yeah that's one thing yeah but her goal was i want to like before she did a day of research i want to tear down the guy 
because I like reveling in negativity. And that's the issue. And I, I'm all for honest critiques of like, you know, I'm a huge Kanye fan, but I can yeah. still hear an honest critique of Kanye and like talk about those ideas and have mixed feelings about some of his choices. Yeah. But what I don't like is when it feels like you went into it rooting for a human to fail. Like you I get can't that. wait for somebody to do bad at life because it makes you feel good. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Now, but I'm not talking about how she uses her journalistic tendencies. I'm talking about journalistic tendencies. Sure. To be to be like counter. So I'm saying if he was a negative person, maybe she would have tried to find the positives to do what you just said. Yeah. To stoke those flames. I think she's like that either way. But I wonder if that's because she's just like that or if it's she's like that and her journalistic, you know, tendencies push her even further into that shit. Yeah. I guess that I mean, and this is a really interesting question, is what is the goal of celebrity journalism mm -hmm. and celebrity journalism culture? Because in terms of a global event, I think like it a should war, be stopped, truly. What? I think it should be stopped. Okay, so in terms of a global event, like mm -hmm. a war or a decision by a government or whatever, mm -hmm. it's obvious what the goal of the article is. It's to inform people about what's going on in the situation and how sad it is normally. And, you know, basically, if there's a solution available, like what that is, all that stuff. So yeah. you're giving people information so maybe they can vote with their dollar and affect this terrible part of the world right now or whatever. Right. Um, but with celebrity journalism, it seems like the goal is try to like is they're trying to show you something about the human condition, but they're trying to do it in a way that's like cartoonish and tire fiery. I this this is why I think it should be stopped, right? Because they turn people into cattle and they separate folks as if they're different, right? I I you know, you get different perspective when you're around shit, right? Yeah. So being able to be around whatever little local celebrity we as comedians get to enjoy, and, and I'm talking about at the most basic of levels, right? From the classroom to being a young comedian out here running around these streets to being someone that's respected, there's a certain amount of, you know, there's a certain amount of pride you take in that, right? So now, if you start seeing people be separated, right, you're broke. And you always wanted to be rich. You always wanted to have money. And these people that you like, these people that, you know, you almost in some cases start to worship, right? They, the, cele the celebrity media, they teach people that not only should the worst moments of your life be broadcast, but it should be fodder for people to make fun of. That's yeah. what the kids are going through right now. Everything they go through is fodder to be made fun of. Yeah, that's a really interesting thing. I was listening to this Pop Smoke podcast documentary, mm -hmm. and uh, they talk about before he even started rapping, he got jumped by five guys and it got filmed and it got put on YouTube, mm -hmm. and he became like a neighborhood, like negative celebrity for like, oh, that was the thirteen year old that got beat up. Yes, and, and that kind of motivated him to change it. But no thirteen year old should have to change a, a narrative about themselves. 
Exactly, because there should be no positive up or down <clears throat> negatives about a 13-year-old because they're a 13-year-old. Yes. You should almost have a blank slate. You know what I'm saying? You haven't figured out you haven't figured out what those feelings are yet. So it's like when I think about when I think about it for the kids, right? I get upset because it's like, well, what do you expect them to do? Every celebrity that you put in front of them is almost just bragging in their face. All they want is those things. Yeah. Then you show them how you tear down those people. So now they they what should they expect to be what torn down? Yeah, look at what you look at what you're doing to my quote unquote hero, whoever the fuck it is, or yeah. they hearing about or their heroes being murked. Yeah, or in some scandal, how they breaking up their relationships. How's that any of y'all's business? I know more about Dr. Dre's breakup and how much he paying his ex girlfriend <laughs> yeah. without trying to. Without yeah. trying to, without ever Googling, without ever, I don't, I couldn't care less. Yeah, there, that, there is a big how is this news question to a lot of it. You know what I'm saying? That takes up more news. Meanwhile, I don't know why we can only get 5.5% interest on our money. And you using my shit, if you use my shit, you paying out very small loans to somebody. But if you want to recycle my money into your system because I keep it in a place, how the fuck you gonna tell me you only give me 0.5%? But I know less about that. I gotta look that up special. Yeah. I, and you gotta get that behind the paywall that's behind the paywall that's behind hell, nigga, to get that information, right? That's the third floor corridor right there. But, <laughs> but I know everything. I know who the lawyer was for Dr. Dre, and I never looked that shit up. Yeah. Fuck off, bro. And that's why Rita Skeeter is a is a serious threat. That's what I'm saying. But it's just, she's like the problem with the internet. Rita Skeeter is basically the bug. She's the bug on the fucking internet. See, but somebody put the food there for the bug to be there. Yeah. The bug only can go where the food is. Somebody well, I think showed it's a mosquito. I think we're the food. Somebody showed. Somebody showed her that there's that there's that that's fruitful, right? Yeah. We're the flies. She's the one dropping the fruit. Okay. You understand? And somebody employs her. Who taught us that these... The are Daily sh- Prophet. That's who employs... Daily Prophet. Then they're the problem. There you go. Media is the problem. Think about yeah. all these overeducated and underfeeling kids we have. Yeah. They're overeducated in the worst things. Everything is so extreme. They see success in extreme ways. Yeah. Extreme. Their their people get extremely famous, and then they don't fizzle out. They die. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because of media. So I agree. The Daily Prophet and media definitely the biggest problem. Yeah. Because you got a bunch of bullshit in the kids' faces. And you know, it's kind of it's like it's a faceless organization. Yes. Like we don't know any, but we don't. It's not even like the Ministry of Magic. We don't know anybody that works there, mm-hmm. and they're a big problem. Well, now, and this would be the, and this would be the question that we leave y'all with because we're talking about the biggest threats to the Harry Potter world post Voldemort. I think this would apply as, and we're talking about the biggest threat since, as far as we know, from our generation anyway, since nine eleven, which is media. I'm yeah. seeing too many kids out here more sedated than ever. And we come from a sedated generation. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They tried to hop us up on pills and we we tried to stay away from it. Man, look, and I even say this as Lil Wayne fan. There's so much drug talk allowed on the radio in their music. I don't know yeah. if it's because I'm getting older, but I mean, my God, man. I think it's because nobody could understand what Future was saying, and then he said it all. And then it's just, oh, well, Future said it all. Well, well then somebody just recreate, because it's like, yo, yo, why are the kids so high? They get their yeah. drugs high, dog. <laughs> so, yeah, having said all that, I think media is the biggest problem post, <laughs> post any war, no matter what you're talking about. Yeah, you know I'm saying. So I agree with you there. I think Rita Skeeter is just an employee now. I don't think she's a boss or anything. Okay. See, interesting. I think she is kind of more like an auteur or a boss or something. Maybe mm-hmm. even like a hired gun, but she's the knight on the chessboard. Yeah. Yeah. So another person that came to mind as a threat is Umbridge. What do you think of the threat? Um, no threat at all. Kind of like Malfoy. I think she's a. I think she's a bishop on a chessboard. I think she stays on her line and she moves in accordance to the king. You know, she has her way. Gotcha. You, know you got a dark and light, but you got a dark and light of any soldier. I agree. But she is a soldier. She's not. She's to be. But like in battle, she's to be used. She's not to make orders. That's where her plan at Hogwarts fell because it was her plan. So after those people, I don't know who. Uh, Oh, I mean, I guess Gilderoy Lockhart's not much of a threat. No, he's, no, no. He's not a threat. Um, yeah, I, I don't know who else would be a significant threat. Did um, uh, Greyback die, or was he just hurt? I mean, you would think that they would at least be able to arrest that guy, Yeah, that right? he's at least locked up. Yeah, I assume he's locked up. Uh, see, he's not even somebody that I worry about. Dolahov's dead, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. What about the Dementors? Are the Dementors the biggest threat that's I don't know. left? No, because again, they, they were taking orders, bro. Like, I would say the Giants becoming... The Giants are always going to be a threat. Not because there's anything antagonistic, like, outwardly. Yeah. There's no war. But because Dumbledore... Because Dumbledore and Voldemort were both vying for them, like militarily, they're definitely somebody that, like, if this were politics, you would have to think about. Make sure they're appeased at all times. Make sure there's no beef. You know, you. I think the Giants, but the Giants rode with Voldemort at the Battle of Hogwarts, right? So I think that they, they're another, other situation. They have to like mea culpa. Yeah, I don't know because I think they can also just also claim like uh like Lucius did first time like oh well that you know they would be being controlled like that wasn't all of us. I also don't think that giants are like at the top of the magical food chain in that world. I would think it would be us. You know what I'm saying? Like non-magical people would be the biggest threat. Well, look how we treat each other. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Like if we were about to nuke the whole planet with some wizard just time turner and just like take all our nukes away and well they haven't done it yet so that's true it'd be crazy if that is like the threat it's like people discover them and then it's like magic versus just like guns (laughs) it's just like they're just like waving it around like about to start a shield and it's just like we'll just fly through the shield that would be too dark man that would be too dark to go down that road well, it was a road that was going about to be gone down. Who do you think Voldemort was showing up to? Yeah, that nigga was going to get a shock, bro. But Voldemort controlled the whole muggle world, right? Like, isn't that the idea that, I don't know, he's meeting with world leaders and stuff? Oh, I didn't know that. I thought he wanted to come in and nuke everybody. However, ladies and gentlemen, 
that will be something you will have to hear <laughs> on a later a, episode. A later episode. Will, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Will Posden. Max Marcus, where can they find you? They can find me on all social media at Max Marcus uh, Comedy and uh, find my podcast, The Max Cast. Make sure y'all do that. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find me on Instagram at Nico White 93 That's at N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E-9-3 on Instagram. You can also find me on TikTok at Nico White 93 Ladies and gentlemen, I have a special on YouTube called Darkout, D-A-R-K-O-U-T. Make sure you check that out. And make sure you follow on Instagram. Make sure you listen to Matt's cast. I have a One Piece podcast called One Piece of Mind on the Paper House Network. Go get that download if you're into anime. Well, if you can me, brother, on three. One. Two. Three. Mischief Man. Ah, we're part of the party.